Now hear this. Now hear this. All hands, stand by for a special announcement from the captain. Before Top Gun, before Back to the Future, there was the final countdown. An alternate history science fiction adventure filmed on board the USS Nimitz, produced by Peter Douglas, son of Kirk Douglas, and with the full cooperation of the United States Navy. Hey, Trex and Sci-Fi fans. This is Dave, or Dave Kill, on the forums. For today's review, I'd like to thank Rico for letting me guest host another podcast, and to you guys for tuning in to podcast number 499. Released in 1980, the final countdown takes a modern U.S. Navy supercarrier and transports it back to December 6, 1941, the day before the attack on Pearl Harbor. Oh man, how many time travel stories have there been? Certainly plenty on TV with Quantum Leap and Sliders alone. And Star Trek's had their share on Next Gen, DS9, and Enterprise 2. And of course, the original series, City on the Edge of Forever. But it was their very first time travel episode that I think the original series did the best. And it was called Tomorrow is Yesterday. Besides the crew, it was the story of the Enterprise itself when the ship fell back in time. That was in the late 1960s. Apparently, Captain, so are we. And was discovered by our conventional Air Force of this time. I think we have a real UFO in our hands. To see these two worlds collide was truly amazing. Since the uh, current military protocols were involved that the captain and crew had to deal with. And how did you get inside a top security installation, James T. Kirk? I told you you wouldn't believe me. And the same goes for the movie of today's review, The Final Countdown, because like the Enterprise, the Nimitz had to recover, evaluate, and then respond to its new environment. And like the Enterprise, the Nimitz had superior weapons if needed. Equipped with missiles, possibly armed with nuclear warheads. With that being said, I gotta tell ya, I intend to nuke this movie with spoilers. Released 35 years ago, if you hadn't seen this movie yet, stop now, and then come on back for the rest of the final countdown. Engage. Okay then, the Final Countdown Movies wiki page has a really good description of the story. It says, this falls under a Twilight Zone sort of what-if scenario. Like, hey, wouldn't it be neat if a modern aircraft carrier appeared to defend Pearl Harbor from the Japanese fleet in the past? I mean, just how would a jet aircraft and prop plane dogfight? Or even a modern warship communicate with our Navy from the past? It's the most interesting idea, and the film had a great cast, including Martin Sheen, Catherine Ross, James Farentino, Ron O'Neill, Charles Durning, and starring Kirk Douglas. Booyah! So how did they get the cooperation of the Navy to make this movie, you may ask? Uh, it's an interesting situation. So we haven't been able to put this film together for two years, but Peter Douglas, son of Kirk Douglas, uh, has a full feature-length motion picture that he wants to produce. Shoot, that sort of said a little spark. This is an opportunity for, for us to put together a film that might be a recruiting boon to the Navy. Aha, so that's what it was. 
a recruitment tool. And I suppose since John Wayne wasn't around anymore, they had to settle on Kurt Douglas. And uh, I had read that no one else would have done. The Navy wouldn't have backed this movie if it had starred anyone else. Gotta be a dream. They were so keen on the idea. They actually were putting posters up in their recruiting offices across the country even before the movie was released in theaters. You still think it's a dream? It's a nightmare. Everything was shot on board, either in dry dock or out at sea during naval operations. There were no sets, no Top Gun models on strings. All combat air patrol and dogfights were flown by the Nimitz F-14 squadron, the Jolly Rogers. The Zeros were flown by the commemorative Air Force. The film crew recorded all scenes for the movie while on exercises in the Atlantic. And these interviews with the retired squadron pilots are pretty cool to hear how they felt about it. Uh, and just said, hey guys, we're gonna help shoot a movie down in Key West. It's gonna have Kirk Douglas in it and James Farentino, and we're gonna go down and do the flying scenes. Of course, we said, wow, you know, Key West, we're gonna be involved with the movie, that'll be, that'll be pretty cool. We felt like, you know, this is like, we've died and gone to heaven. This is it, we're surrounded by actors and actresses, we're flying, you know, in Key West and having a great time, and then they're giving us money, you know, cash money, how can this be? There's something illegal about this. The final countdown's main characters are Captain Yellen, Matt Yellen, manning off, Senator Chapman, I am Senator Samuel S. Chapman, his assistant Laurel, and her dog, Charlie, Charlie, Mr. Lasky, I'm Warren Lasky, Executive Officer Dan Thurman, Commander Dan Thurman, Executive Officer, welcome aboard, and the First Officer, Commander Richard T. Owens, Commander Richard Owen. He's the captain's number one. Take charge, number one. But Captain Yellen mostly just calls him by his nickname, Dick. Dick, where'd you get these? To set the tone of the movie, it starts with a dark screen. We hear the idle of jet engines and the pilot requesting takeoff permission from the tower. Suddenly, the engines roar to life and the jet rolls down the runway and takes to the air. Next, we see Warren Lasky, played by Martin Sheen, boarding a helicopter at a Hawaiian naval airbase. He's going out to sea on the Nimitz as a civilian observer. What is your job, Mr. Lasky? I'm a systems analyst. Oh, efficiency expert, right? Yeah, you could say that. Before they leave, a black limo pulls up to see him off, and he's told that it's his boss, Mr. Tildman, who designed much of the ship. Mr. Tildman just wanted to see you off. Is that him in the car? Yes. Well, we've never met. Can I introduce myself? It isn't necessary, Mr. Lasky. As I said, he came to see you off. Well, thank him for me. He waves at the car, and they take off on the way out, flying over the Arizona Memorial. Once on board, Lasky is shown to his cabin. And meanwhile, on the bridge, things are getting pretty tense as a giant weather anomaly is detected dead ahead. A pilot in trouble is sending a distress call. But it's too late, and they enter the anomaly. Like fingernails on a chalkboard, people cover their ears and double over in pain. The ship is surrounded in a big blue arcing cloud, panels exploding, and just as suddenly the sky clears 
and all is quiet. But where's the stricken plane? They see it on the horizon, then it crash lands on the deck, and the pilot is pulled out. The air group commander, James Ferentino, gives the pilot a grave look. And that's it, they take him away. We don't see him. I wanted to know what's up with the pilot. Did he turn really old or something? We never find out. And now, back to the business at hand. <laughs> Where the heck are they, anyway? With no satellite data links or GPS to navigate with, they still have to determine their current location. Is this the last known position of our destroyers before the storm? Yes, sir, Captain. Captain, we're down across the board. Antennas check out, but we're off the air. Any word from our destroyers? We aren't getting anything except some co-transmissions in the 200-meter band. Otherwise, we're dead as a doornail. With all communications down, they start launching planes to see where they are. And about this time, Lasky shows up on the bridge. Captain? Captain? Hey, what happened? Frankly, I don't know. Lieutenant, have the heads of all departments meet me at CVIC immediately after the launch. Okay, sir. Mr. Lasky, I want you to stay with me. Captain's off the bridge. But that's not all. The signals that they are getting are much stranger than expected. It's a code. Can you break it, Chief? I think someone's putting us on. Why? Because I learned this code at Great Lakes. It's ancient. Did I, uh, did I say some active crewmen had speaking parts? Well, this needs to be left in. God bless them. They're the finest the Navy has, but they're no actors. said that? For Christ's sakes, Chief, all we want to know is what's going on. Whatever it is, you'll be told. When? As soon as the skipper's ready. That's what oh, they always say. And the following scene of the briefing is uh, pretty important to the movie. Hey, Excel, what's going on? Attention on deck. Carry on. Gentlemen. We're at general quarters because I don't have any idea what's happened. But I don't exclude the possibility of war. A nuclear strike? Possibility. Now, what action's been taken? Well, Skipper, there's nothing on the threat board, and there's been no significant damage to the ship, and the crew's in good shape. Air wing is intact. First team is ready to go. E2 is now showing the area clear, and reconnaissance aircraft should be coming up on Pearl any moment, sir. George? Well, the reactor is stable. All readings are normal. Capable for maximum speed, Captain. Lloyd? We can transmit and receive, but we haven't been able to reach anybody. Why is that? Tried everybody in the book, sync pack, joint chiefs. I even took a crack at the White House. Now, we do have some low band transmissions, strictly manual stuff, with very low power. We'll have to do some retuning to transmit in that range. Get on with it. Ops? All radars up, all weapon systems check out. We're ready, sir. Mr. Lasky. You have anything to add? No, sir, not at this time. Skipper, I have a reconnaissance report coming in now, sir. Flight level 250, camera rolling. There doesn't appear to be any damage. Seems to be some unusual shipping traffic. I'll make another pass for a close-up series. Over. ETA to Nimbus, 12 minutes, sir. Skipper, we're picking up some weird uh, traffic on the AM broadcast band on the entertainment circuit. But the signal strength is very weak. Force is no use. I tried and tried and I can't get calm. I'm going to go to sleep. Roger. 
Black, I said that polar bear's got to go to sleep. He's supposed to have been in hibernation over ten days ago. Uh-huh. Where is he now? Sitting up in bed reading Esquire. <laughs> Esquire? Well, take it away from him. Oh, come now, boy. He's been around. Lloyd, tape and monitor all transmissions. Ops, I want a closer look on all air, surface, and subsurface contacts within 250 miles of this ship. Vic, put some tankers and a medium-sized strike force on a 30-minute alert. Aye, aye, sir. Any questions? Skipper, the ship is still at general quarters. Request permission to go to condition three. Granted. I'll be on the bridge. I want answers. That's on deck! And then, not far out on the water, in a beautiful 1940 mahogany yacht, Senator Samuel Chapman and company's world is about to change as they are spotted by two low-flying F-14 Navy Tomcats and later by two more marauding Japanese Zeros. You're a strange girl, Laurel. You give more back talk and less cooperation than any girl on Capitol Hill. I don't know why I put up with you and your dog. I don't know why I just don't fire you. Because I'm the best political assistant you'll find, and you're still more interested in politics than sex. Charlie, what is he barking at? Charlie, what is it? Shh, listen. This is Eagle One. What have you got? Uh, we've overflown the craft, sir. The civilian yacht, flying U.S. flag, about 50 feet in length, old but in mint condition. Over. Hold observation position. Dispatching A6 tanker for refueling. The captain also just got photos of their flyover of Pearl Harbor, and with the help from Commander Owens, an amateur historian, played by James Ferentino he's getting a better idea of where and when they are. That's the Arizona, Tennessee, West Virginia. You're saying that these are both photographs of Pearl Harbor on December the 6th, 1941? Hmm? Yes, sir. Our reconnaissance plan has just taken pictures of something that hasn't existed for over 40 years.
cars, are they? No, certainly not. They have Japanese markings. Sir, we've got ID on the bogies. Captain's on the bridge. What button? 11, sir. Alert one, this is Eagle one. What have you got? Two Japanese zeros, sir. Two what? Two trophy class Mitsubishi A6Ms in original condition, complete with all markings. I mean, they look brand new, sir. Have you been spotted? Negative. We're right in the sun at their six o'clock high. Stay in visual contact. Take no action without clearance. We'll call Eagle one. Out. They're coming in again. Hello. the captain of Radio Hawaii. Find out about the two planes come together, low over the water, forming up wingtip to wingtip, like two white seabirds skimming the waves as they approach the yacht. Very beautiful, really, until they open fire. Why would they attack a yacht? Their job would be to destroy anything with a radio that could warn Pearl Harbor. Providing you and Mr. Einstein are correct. Dick, where would the Japanese fleet be at this time on December the 6th, 1941? Well, sir, they'd be off the scope, but an educated guess would be around about here. Excuse me. They'd have to be here up around the northwest sector. Let's get this settled once and for all. Have the E-2 check it out. I want to see if the Japanese task force is out there. Yes, sir. Eagle Control, alert one. They're making another run. Jesus, they'll shoot that damn yacht to pieces. Request permission to arm and fire. For God's sakes, get Negative. Charlie! No! Water! Come now! Come on! Those planes are coming in! Come on! Let's go! Come on, Harvey! Survivors? Stand by. Affirmative. One, two, three May Wests. Hey, wait a minute. Those bastards are turning back. They're gonna strike them in the water. Request permission to fire. This is Eagle One. You are cleared to arm, but do not fire. Draw them off. Play with them, but don't fire. Affirmative. So that's pretty cool. The Tomcats are thumping the zeros in their backwash, knocking them around, and the Japanese pilots look pretty surprised but they're not done yet. One opens fire as both Zeros approach the carrier. Why the hell are we playing with these guys? Radar shows enemy planes heading on course, 220. Sweet Jesus. Skipper, they're headed straight for us and we've got an armed strike force just sitting on the deck. Alert one, this is Eagle one. You're cleared to fire. Splash the zeros. I say again, splash the zeros. Yes, sir. This has got to be a dream. One burst from the Tomcat's guns. And the first zero's down. 
Surprisingly, it doesn't shred into a million pieces. It hits the water in one piece. Next zero is taken out with a Sidewinder missile. It disintegrates on impact. Say sayonara, dude. Beetle control, alert one. Splash two. Repeat. Splash two. Possibly one survivor in the water. Captain, the E-2 is coming upon point, Charlie. Eagle Control, we have multiple radar contacts, picking up on four, five, six heavies. Possible carriers and 24 escort ships. Southeasterly heading. Negative radio or radar emissions. Request instructions. Over. That is the Japanese attack force. Huh? I guess now we know. Look, Dick. Take personal charge of a rescue team. Keep the survivors isolated. Crazy situation, yes, You know what I want, I understand. Dan, keep the fighters airborne to cover the rescue. All right, Skipper. They fish the senator, his aide, and her dog out of the ocean. And the senator's really surprised because he's never seen a helicopter before. You're right, ma'am. How are you feeling, sir? What the hell kind of a machine is this thing? And what's your ship, Commander? It's an aircraft carrier, sir. I'm Air Wing Commander Richard Owen. Sam Chapman. Senator Samuel Chapman. That's right. Sure am glad you are out here. Yes, sir. They also bring back a prisoner, the pilot of the first Zero shot down. Everything all right here? You in command of this ship? No, hardly. No, I'm a doctor. Ship's commander's Captain Yellen. I'm sure he'll be down to see you as soon as possible. I certainly hope so. Meanwhile, you both seem none the worse for your little mishap. Mishap? You call getting a boat shot out from under you and three people dead a mishap? Are we at war? Is that what happened? I'm really not in a position to tell you. Yes. Charlie! Charlie! Oh, Charlie, am I glad to see you. Doctor, would you please inform the captain that Senator Samuel Chapman, co-chairman of the Senate Defense Committee, would like to see him at once? Of course, Senator. Doctor, I believe I said at once. First, a vitamin shot. Now, if you'll both roll up your sleeves. Senator. No, goddammit. Now, you can take up your needles, doctor, and whatever's in them, and get the hell out of here. Corporal. What the hell are we? Prisoners? Speaking of which, as the Japanese prisoner gets off his helicopter, he's looking around the flight deck at all the jets, and it looks like he's thinking, oh no. Have these things returned to the Japanese pilot. Get this translated. Aye, sir. 
Mr. Lasky. Gentlemen. Captain's off the bridge. This next scene gets right to the crux of the plot. We can't ignore it any longer. Every man on this ship knows that we have radar and visual contact with the Japanese fleet approaching Pearl Harbor on December the 6th, 1941. Now, what do we do about it? Skipper, what we do about it is blow them out of the water. The USS Nimitz declares war on the Japanese Empire? That's what we've been doing. But they haven't attacked Pearl Harbor yet. The only evidence we have that they intend to is in the history books. It opens up some amazing possibilities. Think of the firepower of the USS Nimitz back in 1941. What kind of possibilities, Mr. Lasky? Possibilities for the future, Mr. Owens. Think of the history of the next 40 years. I have a suspicion history will be a little more difficult to beat than you imagine, Mr. Lasky. I'm talking about the classic paradox of time. Imagine, for example, I go back in time to meet my own grandfather, long before he got married, before he had children. And we have an argument and I kill him. Now, if that happens, how am I ever going to be born? And if I can never be born, how can I go back in history and meet my very own grandfather? <laughs> I'm not half the theorist you are, Mr. Lasky, but I still have a gut instinct that things only happened once. And if they have happened, then there's nothing we can do to change them. Nor should we try. How are you going to avoid it? It's already happening and we're already involved. For Christ's sake, what is this? Some half-assed Princeton debating society. We are in a war situation. This is a United States warship. Or at least it used to be. Or will be. Or what the hell ever. Oh, God damn it! you can drive yourself crazy just trying to think about this stuff. Jesus, I must be dreaming. Okay, now, hold it, hold it. All right, now, let's all calm down. Let's take it one step at a time and by the book. The United States of America falls under attack. Our job is to defend her. The past, present, or future. And after that? After that, we take our orders from the Commander-in-Chief of the United States Armed Forces. Franklin Delano Roosevelt? By now, the Senator's really sputtering and fuming. He's still locked up in sickbay. If this wasn't happening to me, I wouldn't believe it. Who the hell are these people? The Navy. Yeah, the Navy, yeah. But what part of it? I've never seen machines like they got on board this thing. And where have they been developing aircraft like that? The Navy would have to appear before my committee. And I've never even heard a whisper about rocket planes and that thing they pulled us out of the sea with. And naming this ship after Chester Nimitz, an active duty admiral. What the hell's going on here? Roosevelt. He owns the military. That's it. That's exactly who. FDR has wanted the United States in this war since it started. But he knows there's no way it's going to happen except in response to an attack. You always said the Japanese would attack. That's right. And who's sitting out here with no press while the White House takes all the credit for raising the alarm and being ready to hit back? Obviously, we are. God damn it. And next door, they're getting nowhere with questioning the prisoner, who has all but given up until the dog gets loose. Anything? Whoever he is, he's either too scared or too well briefed to talk about it. Excuse me. All right, Corporal. 
Commander, I demand to know why we're being tried in this case. I don't believe it. He's about to shoot the dog until... Dog runs away down the hall, and now he's got a couple hostages. Captain? Prisoner grabbed a weapon. Shot one of my men, maybe two. We're in position. The area is sealed off. Stand by. All right, Dick, Lieutenant Kojima's here. Put it on the box. Ask him what he wants. Anata no? Yokyu joken wa nan desu ka? Yokyu joken wa uden soushinki no tandoku jiyu sousa. He wants access to a radio, sir. Does he say why? Because he wants to warn his commander about us. Why don't you tell him what's going on here, commander? You're an expert on what's going to happen tomorrow. Why don't you tell him about it, for God's sakes? Go on, tell him. We got nothing to lose. Dick? Yes, sir. Go ahead. Tell him. 26 November, six carriers left the Core Isles, north of Japan. Ju Ichigatsu, ni ju roku nichi. Roku seki no kubo ga. Jishima retu no okubo shibatsu shita. The carriers were the Kangni, Kongna. Shokaku, Zwikaku, hear you, soar you. Tomorrow at dawn, these carriers will send 353 planes to attack Pearl Harbor. How in the hell do you know all that? Your code is climb Mount Netaka. Nitaka Yamani Nobore. Upon hearing this, the prisoner is utterly stunned and drops his guard for just a second. And then... He's dead, Jim. I want to get out of this bathrobe and into some clothes. Will somebody please get me some clothes? For God's sakes! Chief, get the senator some clothes. Yes, sir. Senator Matt Yellen, manning off. Where and how did you get all this information I've been hearing? And is it true? Yes, sir. Did you inform Pearl Harbor Command? No, Senator. Why the hell not? Well, the reasons are a little complicated, but uh, believe me, Senator, this carrier is capable of handling any attack should it occur. One carrier against a whole fleet? Just what kind of an idiot you take Senator, me for, Captain? calm down. The hell with you! Tell Pearl Harbor what's happening here, or I'll talk to them. Very well. Dan, set up the communications in my import cabin. Wouldn't you like to talk to them with some clothes on? Thank you, Captain. Follow me, sir. You all right? 
Yes, sir, I'm fine. Can you do that, Captain? Hmm? Contact Pearl Harbor, back in 1941. I think so. Then what do you do? Just one step at a time. Yeah. Like a minefield. This is uh, Senator Samuel S. Chapman of the United States Senate on board the aircraft carrier Nimitz. And Captain Yelland is here with me. You're on what? I repeat, I am Senator Samuel S. Chapman on board the USS Nimitz. All right, whoever the hell you are, use of military frequencies by unauthorized personnel is a felony. Now, just a minute here, sir. As we have no aircraft carrier Nimitz and no Captain Yelland, I suggest, asshole, that you stop impersonating some other asshole and get off the air. You're wasting our time. How dare you talk to me that way? Captain, tell them who you are. Speak to them. You. What are you doing here? You're a civilian. Yes, sir. I'm with the Department of Defense. I mean, the Navy Department, sir. Well, that's more like it. What's going on here? I'm afraid I'm just an observer here, sir. I couldn't tell you anything more than you already know. What's happening here? Who are you people? Sir, when you're ready, the cabin requests that you and Miss Scott join him in his import cab. Thank you. Laurel, are you all right? Miss Scott, I'm Matt Yellen, skipper of this ship. Thank you for your hospitality, Captain. But I insist that you fly Miss Scott and myself to Pearl Harbor immediately. At this point, Captain Yellen can't wait to get rid of these guys, even if it means dumping them on some stretch of a deserted beach. Very well. Lieutenant. Yes, sir. Follow this officer. He'll see that you're fully equipped and then escort you to the hangar deck. Thank you, Captain. Laurel? Charlie? Forget about the dog. It'll be all right. Dick. Just got enough time to drop him off on a deserted spot on this island. Not Pearl, sir. Hell no. It'll be a whole lot safer there. We'll equip them to look after themselves till it's over. I'll feel a lot easier with him off my hands. Yes, sir. Dick, I'm sure you're back by 0700. I want my best man commanding that strike force. Yes, sir. What are you doing here, Mr. Lasky? I want to go to Pearl Harbor with you. Wait. You're not going to Pearl, are you? Do they know? No. Now hear this. Now hear this. All hands, stand by for a special announcement from the captain in 15 minutes. 
And now the captain gives a shipwide address to his troops as they are about to engage the Imperial Japanese Navy. This is the captain. I'm speaking to every man aboard this ship. In the past few hours, many things have happened. But rumors of nuclear attacks and a third world war are totally untrue. We have no reason to believe that any aggression has been taken against our home. I believe that what we have stumbled across is not man-made, but a phenomenon of nature. One that can't be explained. And this phenomenon is a storm which the Nimitz went through less than 18 hours ago. The storm has had some effect on time, as we know it. It, it created a portal, a door into another era. Today, December the 7th, 1941. I'm sure we're all aware of the significance of this date and this place in history. We're about to fight a battle that was lost before most of you were born. This time, with God's help, it's going to be different. Good luck. By now, the helicopter reaches the island, where they're trying to dispose of the senator and his aide. But the senator's mama didn't raise no fool, and he quickly realizes that he's been schnookered. So he turns, grabs a flare gun, and attempts to hijack the helicopter back to Pearl Harbor. There's a struggle, they try to wrestle the flare gun out of the senator's hands, and it goes off near the open door. And I swear, that helicopter must have been made out of explodium, because it blew up in a giant fireball. Luckily, the commander and the senator's assistant were left behind, safely on the beach. I lost it. I lost the helo. What? I tell you, I lost it. It just disappeared from the scope. What the hell do you mean it just disappeared? That's it, Captain. One second it was on the scope, the next it was gone. Search party. It's too late. Off to the deck, turn the Nimitz into the wind. Aye, aye, Captain. Launch aircraft. Yes, sir, Captain. That's it, let's go. Cats, you got green lights. Get them in the air. Wow, so close. After launching everything they had, all the jets are just minutes away from engaging the Japanese. And what should appear but the big freaky storm again. And this time, it seems to be pursuing the ship. 
Sir, when we change course, the storm change course is following us and growing at the same time. I'm recalling those planes. Scrub the mission. Get those planes back. Your signal is Buster. I say again, your signal is Buster. Reach you loud and clear. Strike force, this is strike leader. Return to base. Mission aborted. Mission aborted? But we can see them! They're gonna let the Japs do it again. This is the captain. Now hear this, men. You've been through it once, going through it again. Prepare for approaching storms. December 7th, 1941. A date which will live in infamy. And they're back. Any contact with our planes? No, sir. Keep trying. Dan, get me a damage report. Right, Skipper. Get a phone check with all stations. Yes, sir. You still have control of the rudder. Rich has control of the rudders. Very well. All station bridge. Phone check. There they are. Low on the horizon. And just like before, the planes all crash land on the deck because the pilots have all aged horribly. No, just kidding. Actually, everyone safely returns this time. Well, all but Commander Owen and an entire helicopter flight crew. Which brings us back to the beginning. The ship has returned to port. Matt, what the hell's going on here? Admiral, I don't know where to begin. Aircraft carrier getting lost in the Pacific Ocean. What kind of Navy is this? And they say their goodbyes. You seem to have a 40-year-old dog on your hands. Yeah, you could say that. <laughs> Good luck, Mr. Lasky. Thank you, Mr. Thurman. <clears throat> you know, in a way, Captain, I think we're lucky. How's that? At least we came back to the same world we left. Most of us have. Did Commander Owen have any family? No one. Lasky? You've been a pain in the ass. <laughs> but I'm glad to have known you. Thank you, Captain. I appreciate that. Good luck to you. And you too. And Mr. Lasky once again sees the black limo waiting for him on the pier. Mr. Lasky, Mr. and Mrs. Tideman would like you to join them. Welcome back, Mr. Lasky. Laurel. Commander Owens. Please join us. We have a lot to talk about. Yeah, I kind of saw that coming too. From a mile away, but that's a good ending. It's nice to know that they made out okay. And it does bring things full circle. Though Commander Owens proved himself wrong as to what he was saying in the briefing. I'm not half the theorist you are, Mr. Lasky, but I still have a gut instinct that things only happen once. And if they have happened, then there's nothing we can do to change them. Accumulating a fortune, building an economic empire. <laughs> While being wrong.
However, he did prove that he could wisely use his knowledge of the future, since it could have prevented the safe return of the Nimitz and her crew, as best explained by Mr. Spock. Suppose an unscrupulous man were to gain certain knowledge of man's future. Such a man could manipulate key industries, stocks, and even nations, and in so doing, change what must be. So gang, what have we learned from today's movie? Well, superior firepower can level the playing field, even when your opponent has greater numbers. Control panels on the bridge of an aircraft carrier can short out and throw showers of sparks, just like on a starship. Sound general quarters and red alert are pretty much the same thing. U.S. Marines act as security personnel on Navy ships, but the crew on board doesn't necessarily make very good actors. And maybe the number one thing is, crazy time storms can be self-correcting and bring you back home again. So, thanks for listening. And till next time, live long and prosper. Charlie? Forget about the dog, it'll be all right.